0: Le'olam va'ed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, June 3rd. Shabbat Shalom! Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way just go to the new pick on the menu discussion questions and you will find everything there that you need to nurture and grow your small group. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion naso and it means elevate number seven 41 to 89 for a peace offering he brought two bulls five rams five male goats and five one-year-old male lambs this was the offering brought by shelumiel son of zereshaddai on the sixth day Eliasaph, son of Deul, leader of the tribe of Gad, presented his offering. His offering consisted of a silver platter weighing three and one-quarter pounds and a silver basin weighing one and three-quarter pounds, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram and a one-year-old male lamb for a burnt offering and a male goat for a sin offering for a peace offering he brought two bulls five rams five male goats and five one-year-old male lambs that was the offering brought by eliasoph son of duel on the seventh day elishama son of amihud leader of the tribe of Ephraim, presented his offering. His offering consisted of a silver platter weighing three and one-quarter pounds and a silver basin weighing one and three-quarter pounds as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb for a burnt offering, and a male goat for a sin offering. For a peace offering, he brought two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs. This was the offering brought by Elishama, son of Amihud. On the eighth day, Gamaliel, son of Pedazur, leader of the tribe of Manasseh, presented his offering. His offering consisted of a silver platter weighing three and one quarter pounds, and a silver basin weighing one and three quarter pounds, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one year old male lamb for a burnt offering, and a male goat for a sin offering. For a peace offering, he brought two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs. This was the offering brought by Gamaliel, son of Petazur. On the ninth day, Abidon, son of Gideoni, leader of the tribe of Benjamin, presented his offering. His offering consisted of a silver platter weighing three and one-quarter pounds, and a silver basin weighing one and three-quarter pounds, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb for a burnt offering, and a male goat for a sin offering. For a peace offering, he brought two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs. This was the offering brought by Abidon, son of Gideoni. On the tenth day, Ahezer, son of Amishadai, leader of the tribe of Dan, presented his offering. His offering consisted of a silver platter weighing three and one-quarter pounds and a silver basin weighing one and three-quarter pounds, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour, moistened with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb for a burnt offering and a male goat for a sin offering. For a peace offering, he brought two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs. This was the offering brought by Ahazer, son of Amishadai. On the eleventh day, Pagiel, son of Okron, leader of the tribe of Asher, presented his offering. His offering consisted of a silver platter weighing three and one-quarter pounds and a silver basin weighing one and three-quarter pounds as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour moistened with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb for a burnt offering, and a male goat for a sin offering. For a peace offering, he brought two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs. This was the offering brought by Pagiel, son of Okron. On the twelfth day, Ahira, son of Enon, leader of the tribe of Naphtali, presented his offering. His offering consisted of a silver platter weighing three and one-quarter pounds and a silver basin weighing one and three-quarter pounds, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. These were both filled with grain offerings of choice flour, moistened with olive oil. He also brought a gold container weighing four ounces, which was filled with incense. He brought a young bull, a ram, and a one-year-old male lamb for a burnt offering, and a male goat for a sin offering. For a peace offering, he brought two bulls, five rams, five male goats, and five one-year-old male lambs. This was the offering brought by Ahira, son of Enon. So this was the dedication offering brought by the leaders of Israel at the time the altar was anointed. Twelve silver platters, twelve silver basins, and twelve gold incense containers. Each silver platter weighed three and a quarter pounds, and each silver basin weighed one and a three-quarter pounds. The total weight of the silver was sixty pounds, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Each of the twelve gold containers that was filled with incense weighed four ounces, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. The total weight of the gold was three pounds. Twelve young bulls, twelve rams, and twelve one-year-old male lambs were donated for the burnt offerings, along with their prescribed grain offerings. Twelve male goats were brought for the sin offerings. Twenty-four bulls, sixty rams, sixty male goats, and sixty one-year-old male lambs were donated for the peace offerings. This was the dedication offering for the altar after it was anointed. Whenever Moses went into the tabernacle to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. The Lord spoke to him there. 2 Samuel 20, 14-21-22 Meanwhile, Sheba traveled through all the tribes of Israel and eventually came to the town of Abel-Beth-Machah. All the members of his own clan, the Bichrites, assembled for battle and followed him into the town. When Joab's forces arrived, they attacked abel beth Makah. They built a siege ramp against the town's fortifications and began battering down the wall. But a wise woman in the town called out to Joab, Listen to me, Joab, come over here so I can talk to you. As he approached, the woman asked, Are you Joab? I am, he replied. So she said, Listen carefully to your servant. I'm listening, he said. Then she continued, There used to be a saying, If you want to settle an argument, ask advice at the town of Abel. I am the one who is peace-loving and faithful in Israel. But you are destroying an important town in Israel. Why do you want to devour what belongs to the Lord? And Joab replied, Believe me, I don't want to devour or destroy your town. That's not my purpose. All I want is a man named Sheba, son of Bichri, from the hill country of Ephraim, who has revolted against King David. If you hand over this one man to me, I will leave the town in peace. All right, the woman replied, we will throw his head over the wall to you. Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off Sheba's head and threw it out to Joab. So he blew the ram's horn and called his troops back from the attack. They all returned to their homes, and Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. Now Joab was the commander of the army of Israel, Benaiah son of Jehoiada was captain of the king's bodyguard. Adoniram was in charge of forced labor. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was the royal historian. Shiva was the court secretary. Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. And Ira, a descendant of Jer, was David's personal priest. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years, so David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, The famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. So the king summoned the Gibeonites. They were not part of Israel, but were all that was left of the nation of the Amorites. The people of Israel had sworn not to kill them. But Saul in his zeal for Israel and Judah had tried to wipe them out. David asked them, What can I do for you? How can I make amends so that you will bless the Lord's people again? Well, money cannot settle this matter between us and the family of Saul, the Gibeonites replied. Neither can we demand the life of anyone in Israel. What can I do then? David asked. Just tell me and I will do it for you. Then they replied, It was Saul who planned to destroy us and to keep us from having any place at all in the territory of Israel. So let seven of Saul's sons be handed over to us and we will execute them before the Lord at Gibeon on the mountain of the Lord. All right, the king said, I will do it. The king spared Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who was Saul's grandson. Because of the oath David and Jonathan had sworn before the Lord. But he gave them Saul's two sons, Armani and Mephibosheth, whose mother was Rizpah, daughter of Aya. He also gave them the five sons of Saul's daughter, Merib, the wife of Adriel, son of Barzillai from Mahola. The men of Gibeon executed them on the mountain before the Lord. So all seven of them died together at the beginning of the barley harvest. Then Rizpah, daughter of Ayah, the mother of two of the men, spread burlap on a rock and stayed there the entire harvest season. She prevented the scavenger birds from tearing at their bodies during the day and stopped wild animals from eating them at night. When David learned what Rizpah, Saul's concubine, had done, he went to the people of Jabesh-Gilead and retrieved the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan. When the Philistines had killed Saul and Jonathan on Mount Gilboa, the people of Jabesh-Gilead stole their bodies from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them. So David obtained the bones of Saul and Jonathan, as well as the bones of the men the Gibeonites had executed. Then the king ordered that they bury the bones in the tomb of Kish, Saul's father, at the town of Zelah in the land of Benjamin. After that, God ended the famine in the land. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel, and when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Ishbi ben was a descendant of the giants, and his bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. But Abishai, son of Zariah, came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Then David's men declared, You are not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? After this, there was another battle against the Philistines at Gob. As they fought, Sibekai from Husha killed Saph, another descendant of the giants. During another battle at Gob, Elhanan, son of Jer from Bethlehem, killed the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of his spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in all, who was also a descendant of the giants. But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother, Shimeah. These four Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them. Acts 1, 1 1-26 In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Yeshua began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Yeshua, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him as they strained to see him rising into heaven a two white-robed men suddenly stood among them men of galilee they said why are you standing here staring into heaven yeshua has been taken from you into heaven but some day he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Yeshua. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said. The scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Yeshua. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Judas had bought a field with the money he received for his treachery. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name, Alkidama, which means field of blood. Peter continued, This was written in the book of Psalms, where it says, Let his home become desolate with no one living in it. It also says, Let someone else take his possession. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time that we were traveling with the Lord Yeshua, from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Yeshua's resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. When they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart, show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. Psalm 121, 1-8 I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Proverbs 16:18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. I want to speak to you from our reading in the ch- chapter 7 of Numbers, and then we're going to jump into Acts chapter 1. And in Numbers chapter 7, we saw each one of the head leaders of each of the 12 tribes come forward with a special offering, and it was the same offering. Each of the leaders of the 12 tribes each brought the same offering. They brought a silver platter, they brought a silver basin, they brought Silver and they brought a gold container, and they had flour and oil inside of the flour, the silver platter. They brought bulls and rams and goats and lambs uh, for the burnt offering, and the goats were for the sin offering. They brought all, they each brought the exact same offering, and it took 12 days to dedicate the altar. So on day one, one of the tribal leaders came forward with their offering, and on day two, another tribal leader came forward with their offering, and so on until they got to the twelfth day, the twelfth leader. And then the altar was considered holy, consecrated, set apart. So this was the protocol, and we read about it in great detail. So now let me put this into some context. This procedure that we read about in Numbers chapter 7 Will need to be followed when the altar is rebuilt and goes up on the Temple Mount. And that will happen. It's been prophesied that it will happen. And so it's going to be this 12 day procedure uh, that we just read about in Numbers chapter 7. So, how do I know that this altar is going to go back up on the Temple Mount? Well, let's first of all, let's go to Matthew chapter 24, and Yeshua is speaking to his disciples, and they have asked him the question, what are the signs of your coming, your second coming? And he's taking all of that chapter, Matthew 24, and even into Matthew 25 to answer that question. How will we know when you're returning? What are the signs of your return? So in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, now he's getting into He's going beyond just the precursor signs, the early signs. And now he's saying, you're going to know that you're in the Great Tribulation. The Great great Tribulation has begun when you see this happen. Matthew 24, verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. So what is he referring to? The abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. Let's go there. He's referring to Daniel chapter 9. And I'm not going to read all of it. This is a very uh, difficult passage to understand. It's, it's, It's sealed to our understanding, the fullness of our understanding. So I'm going to read it first in the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, because it is very complicated. It's complex. Okay, let's start in verse 25 and go through verse 27. These are probably three of the most difficult and complicated verses in the whole Bible to understand. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the sixty two weeks Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood, and till the end of the war desolations are determined. Verse twenty seven Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end. To sacrifice an offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So, verse 27, what I just read, is what Yeshua was referring to in Matthew 24. Let's read those verses again from the New Living Translation, and you know, sometimes we get a little bit of another angle another perspective another understanding from a different translation so daniel chapter 9 starting in verse 25 now listen and understand seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild jerusalem until a ruler the anointed one comes jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. And a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood, and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Verse 27, the ruler will make a treaty, with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings, and, as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration, until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Okay, so... This verse is implying that the daily sacrifice, the altar, will be allowed on the Temple Mount and that there will be a daily sacrifice on it. Now, when there was a temple, they had the outer courtyard and the altar, and they would make the daily Tamid lamb offering twice a day and uh, at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. And before the altar could begin its usefulness in this daily tummy lamb offering, it had to be dedicated. And as we just read in Numbers chapter 7, it took 12 days to dedicate the altar. Because on each day, one of the tribal heads would come forward with an offering to consecrate and make set apart this altar. So... When the altar does go back up on the Temple Mount, it will go through that same protocol, 12 days, and each of the tribal leaders will bring forward an uh, offering to make it holy and set apart. And then once it has been dedicated through this 12-day procedure, then they can use the altar up on the Temple Mount and begin doing the daily Tamid Lamb Offering. Now, for this prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 to be fulfilled, we do not need to see an entirely rebuilt temple. All we need to see for this prophecy to be fulfilled is for the altar to go up on the Temple Mount, for it to be dedicated, and then for it to get shut down. So once it gets shut down, what this prophecy is saying is that the Antichrist is going to set up an idol, an abomination, uh, up on the Temple Mount in its place, and he's going to demand that everybody bow and worship this idol. So I wanted to take numbers chapter seven and put it into context for you about the end of days um, because it just it to make it really relevant that this is something that we are watching for and that it has been predicted and prophesied by Yeshua. He spoke about this, that that will be one of the signs that the altar will get shut down and an abomination will go up in its place. And he's saying that when you see that happen, everyone who is in Judea, that is in Israel, in the Judea, which includes Jerusalem, and then a lot of the area to the south of Jerusalem, everyone there must flee to the mountains immediately. Because this is a huge sign that the Great Tribulation has begun, that the Antichrist has begun his three-and-a-half-year reign of terror. So he gets three-and-a-half years to be a a dictator and a tyrant. And those who are in Judea must flee immediately to the mountains. Okay, so now I want to go to... Acts chapter 1, and in the opening verses of this chapter, the disciples ask Yeshua a question. And we tend to focus on something else, but they ask a key question in verse 6. They say, when the apostles were with Yeshua, they kept asking him. They kept asking him, so they asked him multiple times, many times. They said, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, let's unpack that a little bit more. They're asking about the kingdom being restored. Restored to what? What are they talking about? Well, we've been reading in 2 Samuel about the kingship of David. And once we get into the book of Kings, we're going to read about and learn about how once David passes away and his son Solomon takes over, um, you know, the kingship continues. But then after Solomon, his son Rehoboam takes charge. And under the kingship of Rehoboam, the kingdom is split into two. This happens in 1 Kings chapter 12. And 10 of the tribes follow Jeroboam, and they become the northern kingdom. And they are revolting because Rehoboam is proposing raising the taxes. And then uh, Rehoboam has two of the tribes, which is Judah and Benjamin. And Levi later on joins as well. So there's a big kingdom split in 1 Kings chapter 12. Northern kingdom, which is also known as the house of Israel or Ephraim, and Southern Kingdom, also known as the House of Judah or the Jews. And that kingdom split has never been healed. Uh, The Southern Kingdom, Judah, went into exile to Babylon, and they were in exile for 70 years, and then a remnant of them returned with Ezra and Nehemiah. And the Northern Kingdom was taken into captivity into Assyria, And they developed spiritual amnesia. They forgot who they were. They forgot God's name. They forgot the book. And they were totally assimilated. And from there, from Assyria, they were scattered to all the nations of the earth. And so the disciples know all this. They have this history. They want to see the kingdom reunited. They know that it's going to happen. How do we know that that's going to happen? In Amos chapter 9. Verse 11, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. That's just one of many, many other prophecies that's talking about how God is going to ingather all of his people, all of his scattered sheep, and bring them together and reunite them under one king. So that's what they're asking is, Lord, when are you going to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Free Israel, get them out under the oppression and the tyranny of Rome back then, and restore our kingdom. They're looking for the kingdom of David to be restored because the kingdom has been divided. That's what they're asking. And then Yeshua replies, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. That's important. But, but many teachers tend to jump right over that, and they focus on the next part. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's a pattern. That the outpouring of the Holy Spirit back then started in Jerusalem. Then it went to Judea. Then it went to Samaria. And then it went to the four corners of the earth. And I believe God is going to follow that same pattern. He is a God of patterns. And he repeats patterns. And that in the final end of day's great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he's going to follow the pattern. It's going to start in Jerusalem and then in Judea, and then in Samaria, and then to the four corners of the earth. And we see a hint of that pattern back in 1967. We had the Six-Day War and the capturing of Jerusalem and the Old City, and the Old City was reunited as one city, and the Western Wall was captured and the Temple Mount and all of that, and it was an, an incredible day of victory. So when that happened, the reuniting of Jerusalem and now the Jews have access to all of Jerusalem and it's no longer a sectioned off, cordoned off area that only Arabs are allowed to be at. Now Jews can come to the Western Wall. When that happened... That triggered, it was connected to a huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit all over the world. And it started in Southern California. You can watch the movie, The Jesus Revolution. And it's the true story of what happened with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. uh, And God used a humble servant, Chuck Smith, with the Calvary Chapel Church. And many, many people were saved. The hippies came in in huge numbers. And many of them were baptized in the beaches of Southern California. Well, that was all connected to the Six-Day War, associated to that. So, you know, as God begins to move upon his own people in Israel, and specifically in Jerusalem, then the rest of the world gets a huge blessing as well. So, those are my thoughts today. Have a blessed day, and we will see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yevareka, Adonai, Adonai, Pana Vilaka, Vikunnehaka. Isa Adonai, Pana Vilaka, Vaya Lekha, Lekha, Shavu. The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers Chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.